Go ahead and be seated. As you can see, I'm a little amped. I'm a little pumped up. I'm going to be your black coffee this morning. No creamer. Yep, that's me. All black, no creamer this morning. I'm a little pumped. I'm a little excited about this morning, as you can tell. If you are new here, I got to let you know, welcome. We know that it can be a little intimidating stepping into a, a, a place for the very first time, going somewhere that you're not really familiar with. And we thank you for taking that step and joining us here this morning. And so there's a, a Connect card either underneath your seat or right in front of your seat. And if you'll take a moment to fill out that card for us, uh, we love, we're all about getting, uh, getting to know each other. And not only that, we have a number that you can text. Maybe you're a little bit more tech savvy and you decide to text us. If you just text us your name and your email to this text number, we would appreciate that and we would promise not to overload you with a ton of emails. We want to give you one email a week and we want to give you one call to get a chance to know you. So what you'll do is take that connect card when you fill it out or if you text it, there's a next steps area right outside these curtains. And if you walk outside these curtains, we want to just give you a few options of going there and we got a gift that we want to give to you for joining us this morning. So you can either fill that connect card out or you can text that number, all right? Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Listen, we have been in a series for some few weeks now called The Truth Hurts. Actually, before I get into that, my name is Maurice. I got to introduce myself. All right, my name is Maurice. I'm the associate teaching pastor here, and I have the awesome opportunity of being a part of the Ascent staff. Um, and we've been in a series called The Truth Hurts. Jesus is an amazing God. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's full of love. He's full of joy. But there's also some few things that he says that's pretty tough. And we decided to, for the few weeks, explore the tough things that Jesus had to say. And I'm carrying the baton this week. And you got to know, the past few weeks, our co-pastors, Bill and Jim, have done such an amazing job doing just these topics. And they set the bar pretty high. So I'm excited about today, but I'm a little nervous as well. And some of you actually haven't been able to join us in the past few weeks. So I put together a little trailer, a little teaser for you to check out what we've been talking about. Check out the screens. Okay, uh, we're going to get started on a new series today, a new series called The Truth Hurts. Ugh, what? Look at the words. If anyone comes to me and does not hate, you could look at this and be like, man, Jesus, what are you talking about? Jesus preaching hate? You see those words of Jesus, hate your father and mother. He's saying, get your leaderboard right. Because otherwise, I think life will eat you alive. Every single person in this room, every single human heart has a leaderboard. Man, you want to put career at the top of your leaderboard? Just wait till you get laid off. Jesus would come to us and he'd share things with us and he didn't hold back. See, do not judge or you too will be judged. Hard to talk about judgment because I've never once heard someone say, yeah, I'm a pretty judgmental person. And what do you do? Judgment! Trying to present our best, hiding our worst. We never want to engage past the surface. Jesus is asking us, step into someone's story. Listen to it all. Even if you disagree with it, keep listening and lead with love. And then if you disagree with more, keep listening and lead with love. All right. That, you guys, like I said, you guys got to go check that out. On our website, there's all that content. But you also got to know, I'm an adult now. I'm trying to do this adulting thing. I'm trying to grow up and always be in a serious mode. Like I'm trying to be a grown man at all times. 
But when, we, when our media person put that together and I looked at it and I've seen it, there was just an inner kid in me that just started laughing at one portion. Some of you giggled at the one portion in there too. Check this out. This is our co-pastor Bill. Look at this right here. Turn and look at the house and what do you do? Judgment. And what do you do? Judgment. 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 Oh, man. I'm so mad that Bill is not here this morning. If you know Bill, he doesn't even talk like that. That's why it's so funny. And I just, the inner kid in me just laughed. I was like, can we just please isolate that part right there of Bill talking about that? So I know he's probably going to get me back. But hey, check this out. As a communicator, as a person who speaks, preaches, teaches, whatever you want to call it, and even public speaking in general, the rules of thumb, one of the rules of thumb is that you have to know your audience. You got to know who you're speaking to. And so this morning, I've actually boiled that down to two groups, Christian and non-Christian. And some of you are sitting there, you're looking at me like, I don't fit in any of those, which I would agree, and that's fine, because the faith spectrum is way bigger than just these two. But for this morning, if you could find out as you look at these two, which one you lean more towards and just stay right there for me. Because this morning, I'm going to do something a little bit more non-traditional, do something a little bit unorthodox. And I'm going to tell you when I'm speaking to this group, and I'm going to tell you when I'm speaking to this group. I'm going to tell you when I'm speaking to this group, and then I'm going to tell you when I'm speaking to this group. So it's going to be a little bit interesting today. But before that, I'm going to stand in the middle because i got a story that I think that we could actually all relate to. When growing up, I like to say that we grew up not in church but around church. My family grew up around church. What that means is we went to Christmas service, we went to Easter, we went to Mother's Day, and that was it. Like that we just, they call us CME Christians because we were just Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter was the moments that we went to church. And that's kind of the only thing that was on my radar. And then I remember high school. And in high school was when mom got saved. And if you're over here in this category, you know about that newly saved person, that person that just can't stop talking about Jesus, that they bring Jesus full circle about everything that they say. Like literally, my mom was that person that she got on fire in high school. I remember this because it affected my friendships. Like mom would be shopping, we'd be shopping in the, uh, the store, me and my brothers, we would go and we'll get our candy, that favorite candy that we like. And she'll pause and say, stop. The same way that you chose that candy the same way that God chose us. And I'm like, okay, mom. And it just, and then I remember one time we, we like stopped at a stop sign. No joke. My mom's like, pause. I think God is telling us to just wait a moment. And I'm like, mom, is that the stop sign or is that God? Like what? Let's not get too kooky here, right? Mom was freshly saved in high school and it affected my friendships. I say this because I had friends that would come over and my mom's tradition was that if you came over on Saturday, you had to go to church on Sunday. If you came over on Saturday, you had to go to church Sunday morning. So my friends, I remember one time, I didn't let them know that. <laughs> and like many of you, not all my friends are Christians. And so I had friends that came over, had friends and cousins that came over, and they were not excited. So we woke up uh, Sunday morning, and in like an old school, traditional black family, my mom cues the gospel music to wake us all up like blasting, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Like it was just all over the house. And my friends were like, what is this happening? Like, and I just knew, cause I grew up and I'm like, darn, they know now. And they start smacking their lips. They're upset, they're dragging their feet like, church, are you kidding me? Like church? And I'm like, 
sorry, bro, it's, it's mom's tradition. And then they got a little excited. I'm like, what you guys getting excited for? And they're like, we don't have any clothes. Can't go to church. Because we grew up in that church that was like, you had to get dressed up, suit and tie, fresh. You had to be just clean every single Sunday, brand new, spanking suits and everything. I'm so glad this isn't that type of church. But it was that type of church. You had to dress up. So my friends was like, well, not us. So, and my mom pulled one on them. She said, well, actually, I got a closet full of hand-me-downs. Y'all can go in and get in there and go find you some clothes. You're going to church. Literally to the point where I remember my friend, I can remember in my eye, like my friends, they had on, a, they were, one of them had on a tight suit jacket before skinny was in. Nobody was wearing skinny jeans. Like it was a tight suit jacket. And then he had like baggy slacks. So it was like this mismatch outfit a little bit. Like one was like faded. One went to the cleaners. One didn't. And then like a, another friend had on like size 15, like dress shoes. So he's like clogging around. It was bad. Like we walked into church looking like the Goonies. It was bad but that was mom's tradition and you couldn't tell mom nothing because she held to her tradition this morning I want to talk about tradition this morning I believe at some point because this story seems so similar to what Jesus has to say and I believe at some point tradition and Jesus will collide that's gonna make sense a little bit later but I'll say it one more time Jesus and tradition will collide. I want to read this passage because Jesus weighs in on tradition. And what he says here, even before we put that passage up, is what I love about tradition is that we can all relate to tradition. Like, that's why it's not a this thing, it's not a this thing. Tradition is something that we all hold. Like, you, you got your traditions. Maybe your traditions wasn't dragging kids to church. Maybe your traditions wasn't getting up early playing gospel music. But we all got traditions. Like maybe your tradition is cooking a good meal when family out of town comes in. And from my experience of being in Colorado and having white friends, the meal is probably going to be a casserole. I'm going to tell you guys right now, being out here, you guys can casserole everything. Green bean casserole, chicken casserole, shrimp casserole. Like it was, it's bolder, so it's non-GMO, gluten-free casserole. Like it's casserole everything is what I've seen out here. Like black people got chicken, but y'all got casserole down packed. I'm like, oh, we got a casserole. Okay. So maybe your tradition is casserole. Maybe your tradition is going to the mountains. Maybe your tradition is skiing. Whatever your tradition is, we all have traditions. But this morning, I think we want to, I want to talk about something a little bit more important than skiing, a little bit more significant than dragging kids to church. This morning, Jesus weighs in on the topic of tradition. This guy named Mark writes about it in the book of Mark chapter 7. I'm going to read this scripture and you can follow along. It says this right here. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe such as the washing of cups, pots, copper vessels, and dining couches. The Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples, the people that follow you, not walk according to the tradition of elders? But they eat with defiled hands, unwashed hands. And he said to them, Isaiah prophesied about you hypocrites. He says this right here, this people honors me with their lips, 
but their hearts is far from me. In vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, he's talking to this group of people right here, the church people, religious people, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Right here is where I want to land and for the next few moments talk about you are making the making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. You are making void the word of God. I told you a little bit earlier that I'm talking to two groups and what, what was is happening right here is Jesus is talking to a group of church people, religious people that have actually decided to hold tradition more than they hold God. Hold on to tradition more than Jesus. So, so their tradition and Jesus are colliding and they decide to hold on to tradition. And Jesus says, wait a second, what are you doing? I told you a little bit earlier that I'm talking to two groups and I want to start off in this group. The same group that Jesus started with. If you identify with this group or you lean more towards this group, as I read this scripture, I had to scratch my head. Because it begs the question, what are we holding on to that keeps God from being God? I'm going to take it a step further. What, are we, what tradition are we holding on to that keeps God from being God, that, that keeps God at bay, that, that's a barrier and a blockade and prohibits God from entering into our life? This made me scratch our head because if you're in this camp, you know, we say, you know, God is almighty. God is all powerful. He's all knowing. He, he knows everything. He's powerful. He's strong. What is so strong that it actually causes God's presence and his word to be of no effect, to be null and void? And Jesus argues that it's the tradition that we hold. I thought about this as I was putting this sermon together. And I thought to myself, this was something that was near and dear to me because it wasn't too long ago that I had a little faith crisis in my own life. That, that life got a little bit sticky with me and my relationship with God. It, it wasn't what it was. It wasn't what it used to be. And I began to question God. And I began to wonder to myself, is this what our relationship has boiled down to? I begin to ask God these questions in, in all seriousness and say, like, have we peaked in our relationship? Is, is this the life that you offer me? And I had a few words, and I picked up my journal as I was writing this because a few, not too long ago, had a few real words with God. And I begin to tell him and lay my case before him and kind of just let him know, listen, what is this that, we, that you've called me to? And I begin to write, and if you would just imagine in your mind's eye, there's a table and God behind it. I'm literally in my prayers just throwing this at God. And I told him, God, listen, I pray my routine prayers. I pray my, my, my oh crap prayers. I don't mean to be crass, but I believe either if you're in this category or this category, you got an oh crap prayer. Like, uh-oh, life is bad. Uh-oh, we got a pregnancy scare. Uh-oh, like you throw up a prayer, whatever it is. You, you throw this prayer out of God, help me. Do something, help me. I said, God, I read my Bible when I can. I'm trying to be a good person. I give a portion of my income. 
like, I give my money. Like, I don't make a lot of money. I give my money. Like, I don't make a lot of money. I don't make Jim and Bill. I don't make a lot of money. I'm sorry. Just, let me keep going. I'm sorry. I, I tell people, you got to listen to this one. I literally wrote this down. I tell people about you when they bring you up. I tell people about you when they bring you up. I go to church. I started working for a church. And then I started just making a long list. And I begin to wonder, God, I have all these things that I'm putting before you. Like, what is this that you're calling me to? And I wrestled with that. And if you were here a few weeks ago, Jim preached a sermon, and he talked about his leaderboard. He talked about how achievement was at the top. And all he wanted to do in life was achieve. And this, he had a moment at this moment where he actually could achieve. And there was this trophy, and he won the game. And him and his team, they were cheering. And it came down to he, once he got the achievement he was searching for, he couldn't shake this question that was inside of him. And that question was, is that all? Like, I got what I was asking for. Is that all? And that resonated with me because in my relationship with God, I asked the same question. And maybe if you're over here in this camp, you've probably asked the question as well, is this it? And as I wrestled with that question for days and days became weeks, weeks became months actually of just throwing this at God of what is this? I'm at the point of throwing in the towel like this is this is it. And it was one day in particular, I felt just in my spirit, down on the inside of me, God actually shift all the questions, everything that I placed before him, and turn them on me. And God began to ask, Maurice, is this it? Like, have you boiled our relationship down to church attendance? Have you boiled our relationship down to the money you give as if I need it? Have you boiled the relationship that I've called you to a life of fullness and goodness and more and mercy, and you have boiled it down to a routine prayer? And maybe you're like me this morning where you've been in that place and you're in this camp. You call yourself a Christian and you say that you follow after Jesus, and I believe at some point in all of our lives we're going to get to a place where that's the thing. But I wonder, what are we holding on to that stops God from being God? Because I believe that God still pursues, but what is our pursuit towards him? Is it the same old same? So I had to reflect on that. And as I reflected on that, I began to think to myself, with this space that I'm in, I believe the message that we communicate when we're in this space and we're in this season, is this right here. I believe we communicate to God, do not use. When we're getting in a space of just telling God, listen, I go to church, I do this, and it's now a checklist. What the message we have on our chest is do not use. And I wonder if you just let me nudge you. I'm not on a ranch. Just let me talk to you. If you let me nudge you a little bit, I wonder how many times God has to walk past this sign before we do something about it. How, how many times does God 
have to walk past the signs of do not use. If you're over here in this camp, of imagine what could take place if that wasn't the case. As I was putting this sermon together, I was reminded of a story. I was reminded of this time that I went to this, like, huge kid establishment. Like, it was bananas. If you think that we got a kid establishment with trikes and this, like, this was a bananas kids running everywhere. It was my niece's and nephew's birthday. And I remember going there, and I'm just being like, uncle, good uncle. We had a good time. It was a piece of cake, all this other stuff. Stumble, my stomach started to bubble a little bit. I'm like, all right, I got to use the restroom. I don't want to give too much information. But I'm just saying I got to use the restroom. <laughs> so I walk to the restroom, and I go in the restroom, and literally, because I forgot to tell you, there was no one over the age of 17 working in this establishment. Like, it was all high schoolers. So I didn't think of it, any, anything of it. But I walk in the restroom, and there's like a line that's waiting. There's about five stalls, no joke. Four of them say, do not use. Four of them say, do not use. I'm like, you guys got to get your plumbing together or something. Like, you got to hire somebody a little bit older than 17. Whatever it is, you got to do something about this. This is crazy. I'm standing in line. And you guys, as guys, you know, there's rarely any ever lines to the guy's bathroom. There's always line in the ladies' room. There's rarely one in the guys. So we're standing in line. And we're talking about, like, they were kind of, like, making a little mumbling and this and that. One of the workers walks right by us into the stall that said, do not use. They're all looking at each other, like, what's happening? I'm like, what is this? He comes out, and he, and he starts to, like, walk right by us. And I'm like, wait a second. You guys aren't even going to say that. I'm going to say, like, homie, like, you just use the restroom. They said, do not use. Like, you don't want to use that. Like, water is probably going to come up that you don't want touching you. Like, that says do not use. They probably got some plumbing issues that's going on in there. And I said, hey, why, why'd you use that? And no joke. He looks at me. He's like chewing gum. He's like, we don't like really cleaning up after work, so we just put those on there. <laughs> and like walks off. I'm like, first of all, let's take a step back. You didn't wash your hands, buddy. <laughs> you, you, hold on. You're one of the people in the Bible. You're one of the people that didn't wash their hands. But you're like, that's you right now. First of all, you just walked right by us. Second of all, how lazy do you have to be to put up signs so you don't have to clean the restrooms? I'm sitting there, my mind is blown. But as I'm putting this sermon together, I begin to think about that in my mind. How often does God have to be in Boulder County, the front range, whatever you want to call it, Louisville, and walk by signs that say, do not use? Now, I'm talking to this crew over here. This is, you call yourself Christian. This is, we're over here. And you got to know I'm preaching to myself before I preach to you because I've been in this place. And, and I'm going through this road of how do we get to this place? And I believe the way that we arrive to that place of walking around with this message to God, the tradition, if you're already there in, the, in that camp, that you're holding that I believe is restricting God from being God is the tradition of familiarity. And I believe that we can get so familiar with God that we got him figured out. We think we have him figured out. We can get so common with God that we treat him like a regular relationship that you know the ins and outs. It's predictable. I know this. I got my life. You got your life. God, I got you figured out. And you got to know whether you're over here or over here, this isn't a Jesus thing. This is a people thing. That familiarity is a relationship killer. Like you got to know even a step further, familiarity is an intimacy destroyer. 
Like when you get too common with something, you've probably been there in your own life of relationships that got too familiar and then the love was lost or the, the strength of that relationship was gone. I remember this in my own marriage. Early on, I began to think to myself, I got the girl. What else do I need to do? Like open doors for what? Go on dates. I already got the girl. And we're over here in this camp. We don't believe in divorce. We're good. I got the girl. I'm okay. Things are fine. What I got to do? And, and literally to the point where we came to a crossroad in our marriage and my wife got fed up. I'm telling you right now, when a black woman mixed with Latino gets fed up, you got fed up on your hands. Like that's hell hath no fury. Like that's as top as fed up gets. I'm telling you right now through experience, she was fed up. But I got so common with her. I got so familiar and I think that can transcend just human to human relationship and go to our relationship with God. To the point that the tradition of familiarity is the very thing that's holding God back from being God. Think about the strength of that tradition that it keeps God at bay, that he's on the sideline calling for us to let him in, but we're holding on to tradition of familiarity. And maybe you're not over here in this camp, but you're over here in this camp. I told you I was coming your way. I'm talking to both sides. Maybe you're over here in this camp and your tradition isn't tradition of familiarity. And if you're still awake and you haven't been paying Candy Crush, I got a few words for you. You have been communicating to God something as well. If you're over here on this side or you lean more towards this way, I believe you have a message to God as well. And maybe you're thinking to your mind, Maurice, look at the sign above you. We don't talk to God. Like there's no invisible guy in the sky that we talk to that's like I'm a non-Christian. Like we don't do that whole virgin birth. Somebody got pregnant and they didn't have sex. Like are you kidding me? Like I get it. You don't believe those things. Outside looking in, if I take a step back, some of the things sound a little crazy. But we believe them. But I believe you have a message that you communicate to God. And if you engage me for the next few moments, I think there's something that you could lean into and actually learn about this message. Maybe your message isn't do not use, but I think if you allow me just to give my opinion on something, maybe it's do not disturb. Maurice, look, do that thing over there. That's you guys. Be the little weird crew. I'm good. I got my life. I, I, you know, I'm married. I got kids. One's about to graduate. We got a few stocks. We go on vacations. Like, life is, life is good. Like, you can stop. Leave us alone. Like, don't disturb. It's okay. And I believe this message that you possibly give it to God is that you're good. And I'm going to take a little step, and I know this, this next statement that I'm saying comes with a few assumptions, but I wonder that maybe your life is good, but is it full? Because over here, the God that we serve and the God that we talk about, the God that we get excited about, maybe we get a little bit too familiar, but he has said to us that I have come from heaven, died on a cross so that you can have life and have life to the full. Not have life to the half. Not have life to the quarter tank. 
I have come so that you can have life to the full. There is more for you. There is an abundant life that I've called you to. And I wonder, even if you're over here or over here, is your life to the full? Because if it's not, I believe there's more that God is calling us to. And that we should never feel that we got God figured out. There is something more that God has to us. There is another level in God. There is another place in him that he is calling us to. And I'm here to tell you, this life that he calls us to is not a stale one. It's not a boring one. But if we boil it down to do not disturb and do not use and church attendance and the money that I give and this trip that I take and we check off the box and the box, we are holding traditions, whether you're here or you're here, That's keeping God restricted. And if you're here, I believe the thing that brings us to this place, if you're over here in this camp, if you let me offer one more opinion to you, it's not the tradition of familiarity. That has to do with relationship. I think it's the tradition of uncertainty. And uncertainty, with the uncertainty comes distrust. Which rightfully so, because when I'm uncertain about something, when I'm a little sketched out about something, I don't trust it. Like, you've probably been on a blind date before and was like, this guy's a little sketch. I probably shouldn't have swiped right on this. Like, this is uncertain right here. I get that. Like, this is weird. There's something a little beyond that. More than just distrust, uncertainty, with uncertainty comes you not giving your all. Whenever you're uncertain about something, you're never fully yourself. Right? Like you're never all the way in on something when you're uncertain about it. And rightfully so. But I think with uncertainty also comes potential. Like on the other side of uncertainty is possibility. And if we hold to the tradition so tightly, I think if I could just... Give you a little nudge this morning over here in this camp. There's something you're missing out on. There's something more that God has. So whether you're here or you're here this morning, don't take this as a rant. As you can see, I'm a little passionate about this. I'm a little excited. It's a little bit different than the normal Sunday to Sunday. It's one of your black preachers this morning. I get that, but I'm excited about this because I think that God wants to break us out of the monotony. He wants to break us out of the mundane. He wants to get us beyond what we know, the thing that we're familiar with, what we're used to. And even if you're over here, I think there is another step that God is waiting on you to take. I believe that there is more to this life. I work at a church and I've gotten to the place of don't use. I've gotten to the place of I got God figured out. But I'm here to tell you his words to us when tradition and Jesus collide. If you will, whether you're over here in this camp or you're over here in this camp, the answer to holding to either tradition is let go. And naturally, I just want to tell you, listen, just take the step. Just let go. And if you're over here in this camp, that is my message to you. Just let go. Like you've done this before. You've said yes. You've tasted and seen. You've experienced this God that you call your God. Let go. Because this life is more than just one yes. It's yes after yes 
after yes, after yes, Lord, I'll say yes. And if you'll take another step, if you'll take another yes, I'm here to tell you through experience, not just about some guy that's passionate and getting ranty about this topic. Through experience, I want you to experience life to the full. Like, this isn't Red Bull. This is life to the full. Like, I'm a rapper in my next life. Like, this isn't just something I'm amped up about. Like, I've experienced this. And I hope it doesn't come across too much. I hope it doesn't come across as something that is a little bit too forceful. My prayer is that if you're over here, you let go of the tradition of familiarity. You let go of the tradition, the very thing that you've held that has held God back from being God. You are holding on to something powerful, but you're also missing out. If you let that thing go, I believe when we let go and our arms open up, it's a sign of surrenderance, and he wants to walk into that. And if you're over here, I get it. There's there's something about, there's a lot of assumptions, there's, there's baggage, there's past experience, there's uncertainty. But what if on the other side of uncertainty, on the other side of the tradition that you're holding so tightly to, is a real God that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be a person, a brother, and a friend that sticks closer than your family member? What if there really is a person and a God that says, I love you with your flaws and all? I created you and I know the ins and outs of your life. What if there was a let go? What if, because on the other side of uncertainty, is possibility. What if that possibility as a God that's awaiting to be the father to the fatherless, a mother to the motherless. What if? And this morning, I believe the answer to either side is let go. What would a world, what would our world that we live in look like if we let go? Imagine, let's not even think world, imagine our county, our city, what would that look like if we let go? What, what could God do in our lives? Not just for us, but through us. Not just for me, but through me. What if it wasn't just a checklist and it was an actual relationship that grew day by day? What could take place, not even just our city, what could take place in our families? If we let go of past hurt, if we let go of bad experiences, if we let go of unforgiveness, what type of possibility is on the other side that God is waiting for us to step in? If you're like me and your relationship with God has gotten a little stale, it's gotten a little boring, it's gotten a little mundane. I believe he's calling all of us to take a step and to let go. Our families can be transformed. Our city can be transformed when we make it beyond just a checklist, just an attendance. There's a real relationship. This morning, if you will pray with me, 
I believe that God wants to do something in each and every one of our lives. I'm just crazy enough to believe that there's somebody in this room that's letting go. There's somebody in this room that's feeling the urge to drop it all. As we sing this next song, I'm going to pray and then we're going to go into the song, but hear these words sung over you. The song simply says, right here, right now. Right here, right now. And I believe that speaks to us this morning because there is right here and right now for all of us. And there is possibility. There is there is untapped potential. There is a world that we can go into that God is saying, I am still the God of the Bible that does miraculous things, that revives your faith, that brings you from the darkness to the light. I'm still that same God. God, we come to you right now thanking you for this moment, thanking you for our time together, thanking you for simply giving us the words and the faith to let go. Giving us the encouragement that letting go is a part of the process. And when we do, you are awaiting us. There is a real, vibrant, authentic relationship. And I just pray that this week, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, one day, one hour, one moment that you take aside, to let go, to open that door and see what God does with it. Jesus, thank you for the steps of faith that people are going to take in this room. As we sing the words right here, right now, I pray that it goes beyond just their external and it seeps down to their spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.